Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And this week, we're joined by a very special guest, a long-time fan of who we're talking about today, uh, Ashley. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, Ashley. So, not only are you a big fan of the band we're talking about today, you're a contributor to Trash. I am. I am indeed. Um, and also head of marketing. Head of marketing for Trash. So we've got the executive team joining us now on podcast. Yes. Yeah, so I will be doing a report after today. <laughs> and Ashley has been present on all the conference calls that go ahead of each Track by Track episode, of course. And very good friends with Cook. Very good friends with Cook. And, you know, being completely transparent about this, um, Ashley is the anaphrid to my Benny. We are divorced. <laughs> uh, we should really say then who we're talking about today. Uh, it's ABBA. It's ABBA and it's their 1979 studio album, Voulez Vu, which turns 40 today. Which is insane. 40. Yeah. I mean, Will, what were you doing the day this album came out? <laughs> <laughs> I can gladly say that even I hadn't been born uh, when this album first came out. And... I take, again, testament to what we do on this podcast. A few weeks ago, we were talking about Steps. Last week, we were talking about a space age band in like Daft Punk. And this week, we're going back to 1979 and talking about ABBA. However, mentioning Steps, of course, it's safe to say that ABBA were heavily influenced by Step Sound. Well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> or just to flip... Yes, sorry. Yeah, to, to quote Jim Wilder, strike that reverse in. Yes. Flip it on its head. You are a fan of ABBA, aren't you? I'm a huge fan of ABBA. Um, I remember uh, from a very, very young age, um, my mum would listen to ABBA. There was a particular ABBA song that she would sing, I've said, as, as um, she'd lower herself into cold swimming pools, was my earliest memory of ABBA. It's a hobby of hers, just to well, find a cold swimming pool? not to ask. <laughs> <laughs> the neighbours were a bit concerned when she jumped the fence. But, uh... <laughs> and the specific album we're going to be talking about from ABBA today is Voulez Vu. Yes. From 1979, released 23rd of April 1979, or I should say released for the first time in the 20, uh, on the 23rd of April 1979, the sixth studio album. So even by that point, this was the sixth release uh, from ABBA. And as we're about to talk about some massive songs on this album, and I think I won't, be, I won't big it up any further because the songs with ABBA, the songs will very much speak for themselves. In fact, they had a song, not on this album, called I Let The Music Speak. And they did. They also had an, uh, a track called Thank You For The Music, which we do. And do we need to explain to our listeners who ABBA are? I, don't, I never want to assume at any point that everybody is up to speed with every artist we're talking about every week. I think you can probably do the briefest artist recap that you've ever done yeah i don't know if we have many listeners in polynesia where i don't <laughs> there as, as big so abba four-piece swedish pop group formed in 1972 in stockholm we've got agnetha bjorn benny and anifried and uh the uh the name of the group is an acronym of the first letters of their name yeah so Bang. it's very annoying when frida anifried goes by frida because that's as ab so, should we get stuck in? 
Yes. yes. Ashley, would you like to introduce side one, track one for us, please? I would love to. So side one, track one, and it is, it's as good as new. So as good as new kicking off the album there, Ashley, as you'll know from uh, quite a few articles on Trash, the format of the album and the track listing and the side one, track one particularly, is of great importance to us. So as an album opener, how was that for you? I think it's great, to be honest. I think you used a phrase on, I believe, the first on the pink uh, episode that you did, where you said sort of pink by numbers. Yes. I feel like this is ABBA by numbers. I feel like it incorporates every single part of them. It's, it's like they wrote three songs, couldn't finish them and put them into one song. Um, namely, the end of the track, I think, is phenomenal, how it comes to a very sudden... Da-da-da-da-da. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> Which is think... what I did when the track ended. <laughs> Which I think is phenomenal. And then also, the beginning, I think it's it's book, it's sort of book-ended. Mm. This song with the beginning, where you have that first bit with the strings, where it feels like you're in the court of Elizabeth I, and then it kind of goes straight into almost like a 70s cop show car chase. Mmm. Going to fit in well, isn't it? Yes, yes. The analogies are bang on, actually. <laughs> and, and for me, uh, not to use another track-by-track track cliche, but they really set their stall out for yeah. this album with this first track. In just that, it's a bit more funky, it's a bit more disco-y, um, and the energy from the word go is a real, like, whoa, it's a great moment when you when you start listening to that first track. Dan? You know, I have to be honest, you two have covered a lot of ground there. I think I just would say that, likewise, it's it feels like the bass is driving this album a little bit more, there's a lot more, as you said, a lot more funk to it. And this album was released in 1979, so throughout the 70s, Abba have been there through sort of the glam rock and the disco years, and it's getting towards the end of the decade now, so you know, musical shifts are happening. And I feel like with this song, but even more so with the next song, the party is going to get going. Let's move on then to track two. And voulez-vous. hard to listen to that song and not immediately want to dance yeah i agree and dan i've got to ask you the question is it on your brother's wedding playlist i thought the question was going to be voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir oh no 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 (laughs) not with with present company (laughs) um it definitely should be actually because ashley and i went to a wedding on new year's eve and we requested this song and the dance floor filled didn't it i think it was I think, I'd be fair to say, it was more touching than the ceremony itself when this song came on. Oh, I thought you 
was insinuating there was more touching than the Terry. Well, if the shoe fits. It's quite an erotic dance. <laughs> <laughs> I think the success of this song comes from it has more hooks than a bait shop. Mm. It has even the, the voulez-vous, the aha, the uh-huh. sort of masters of the sea. Like it's all, it's got so many hooks that everyone just knows. Yeah. It's probably one of their, it's hard to say this with a group like ABBA, one of their best known, best love songs, because there are so many, but it is one of them, isn't it? Yes, and I think part of that probably is because it is, uh, ABBA obviously do some fantastic ballads, uh, and they do some incredible upbeat songs, and this one, Voulez-vous, is up there with Gimme 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 and Dancing Queen, it's just, if you put this on at a... a, a a function. A function, a, a wedding, disco, a family event. A catered event. You're, a buffet, a spread, you're likely to get people up and dancing to this. And of course, uh, Will, your French can come out for this one. Voulez-vous? Or do you want? Yes, or would you like to if you're being a little bit more polite? I'm not. No. But I think as well, this song, what's really clever about it and, and quite a hard feat that they've achieved is it. the song starts at 100%. Yeah. And it ends at 100%. And you don't, you're not bored at any point during no. the song. And you're absolutely right there, actually. Yeah, it starts and ends at that level. And I think there are just a few parts in the middle of the song where it dips just slightly to bring it back up to that. But you need well. that. Yeah. You need those moments in a song. Um, it'd be remiss of us right now to not talk about the part that this song plays in Mamma Mia, both on stage and the film as well. Because this. Uh, track plays a pivotal role in the uh, the hen night in the stag night, doesn't it? And the kind of the choreography and things like that, everything that you'd imagine to come from this song in the film, it for me it completely lives up to it. Yeah, I would agree. I think they um, they take it as it is. I think with other songs, you know, to write as well, they they twist it into new meaning. I think this song they completely take it as it is. For the the film and the show, they don't kind of try and twist it around the plot. It is what it is, and they accept it for that. That would be hilarious if they just tried to get the title into the script. Voulez vous like to come to the bathroom with me? <laughs> oh, sorry, my mother's half French. <laughs> um, and well done. I was counting down and had a little bet with myself about how long it would take us to mention Mamma Mia. Uh, and I think we did about 10 minutes. So, yes. uh, well done, everyone. Track number three now. A slight change of pace. I have a dream. If you see the wonder Of a fairy tale You can take the future Even if you fail I believe in angels Something good in everything I see So Will, ahead of this episode, I had to have a bet with myself about when you was going to talk about the album artwork, which of course is always the time when it's a track that you're not too keen on and long-term listeners will know you're not a fan of a ballad. So I put my money on this track. Hold your horses. Oh, not there yet. I, re- I like this song. This was a, you could call this a Christmas single because it was released at the start of December, way back in 1979. Um, famously covered by... Westlife. Yes. What did you think of that? <laughs> I thought it was different. Well, I, I kind of quite liked that it was different. It was a 
it felt like uh, you know a boy band covering an ABBA song that's actually probably quite a difficult feat to pull off you couldn't imagine um, A1 covering Dancing Queen for example but I felt like the production of it made it feel like it was an, a Westlife track Interesting fact, it was that Westlife cover was released 20 year, exactly 20 years later than the original. Oh, wow. And just pipped Abba reached number one, whereas they only got to the heights of number two. Oh. What kept them off the top spot? We'll never know. We we'll never <laughs> It did, I mean, this track did very well pretty much everywhere. Number two in the UK, but across the Netherlands, it was number one across the board. Um, it was just number two in the UK, so it would be interesting to know what it was that stopped that. What I think is really obvious with this song, and certainly when I first sort of properly listened to it, is I think when Judy Kramer was sat there with her pen, kind of figuring out, you know, spinning a globe in her study, where am I, where am I going to set Mamma Mia? I have this sort of romanticised idea in my head that this song came on and she landed on Greece and it all fit because that guitar mm. is very Greek in this song. I feel like this is where maybe she got the the Greek idea. Yes, definitely. And how it, it features right at the beginning of the film, doesn't it? And this and the musical as well. And it doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel like they're trying to crowbar a very Swedish sound into a Greek setting. No, definitely. Um, just I've had an update. Um, Cook's been looking into this for us and it was... Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall oh, that well, kept this from number one. Kind of makes sense, actually, because... A huge yeah, track, yeah. and also both feature a children's choir. And I hear that Donald Trump is a, a big fan of that Pink Floyd song. <laughs> um, that and Building a Wall by Pet Shop Boys, as we discovered a few weeks ago now. Track number four now. Uh, this is Angel Eyes. Angel Eyes there. My favourite track on the album. Really? Yeah, I love it. Oh. See, I have to say, I think that, I, I think this is a, a fantastic song, but I think because Voulez Vous is, is so full of amazing tracks, I feel like this one gets lost on the album, but as a song, it stands out. Yeah. What I find really interesting about this song is that it was released as a double A-side with Voulez Vous and Angel Eyes was billed before Voulez Vous Angel Eyes slash Voulez Vous um, which I think history has made it so that Voulez Vous is the uh, stronger track and I can't help remember this in Mamma Mia yeah, here yeah, we go again yeah. <laughs> it is a highlight yes. of that, that I mean I think it's just Julie Walters makes this track in that in that scene yeah it's Julie Walters Christine Bransky and Amanda Seyfried. Well, Amanda Seyfried's a supporting role in this, <laughs> in this song. Because you're not, you're not really focusing on her in this. No, and when are you ever, really? I'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying that. What's really interesting about this song is it was featured on uh, the BBC show Jukebox Jury, if anyone remembers that. Mm. I don't. Um, what, was that, what was that show? So it was um, sort of, there'd be tracks and then a famous panel would kind of 
sort of rate it and talk about it. Um, and this song, the panel featured Johnny Rotten, Joan Collins, and Elaine Page. Wow. And this song was marked as a miss, predicting it that it, it wouldn't be that great. Shame on Elaine Page there, actually. Well, I've never been too happy with her since she's slated Subo, so it's not come as a big surprise, to be honest. I mean, I've been lobbying for us to talk about Elaine Page and Barbara Dixon for many months now. The hints have been strong, but... Um, but I think that's a, that's a black mark for mm, her now. We'll probably do a Subo album at some point, I'd like to think. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the laughter is for, but I'll draw a veil over that. <laughs> I think sometimes when you listen to an ABBA track, obviously all the songs are written by Bjorn and Benny, and then sometimes they also have Stig Anderson featuring as well. And I think sometimes you can tell the difference between a Benny and a Bjorn song, because the Benny ones, he's influenced by more sort of classical music. Um, and so probably the introduction to As Good As New was Benny influenced. And I think later on, as this song's kind of fading out and the keyboard is kind of getting quite almost harpiscordy or something like that, um, that feels very much like a Benny moment in a song. And therefore, I think perhaps he had the strongest hold on this one. I could be mistaken. It's a theory. No, I, I think I, I definitely agree with you there. And actually, the, I think the lyrics stand out in yeah. this song quite a lot. You know, it's, it's quite a... You know, it, it's a fun song, but the lyrics are quite deep looking into, you know, it's someone who's really warning this young, beautiful Swedish, I'm assuming, blonde <laughs> woman... Um, you know, away from this man. <laughs> well, um, which you know, it's 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 a fun track with a sort of dark undertone, really. Mm. You know, what are the games this man likes to play? Are we Probably. talking Monopoly, or are we talking he's got a room that's lined with leather? I really don't know. <laughs> or a bit of both. Ooh. We all like a bit of both. Take a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other interesting thing, sort of almost validating. Validating the point I made earlier about um, the double A side of Angel Eyes and Voulez-Vous. From the single so far, Voulez-Vous and I Have a Dream featured on Abergold, Angel Eyes featured on more Abergold. I think some sort of more, uh, some bigger ABBA fans might favour more Abergold than Abergold. I know that for a while I did, but in more recent years I think I've just come to like really appreciate Abergold and, you know, you cannot deny the gold on there. Do you two have a favourite? I think that Abergold is a cold cider at Glastonbury. There's mm. immediate satisfaction. Whereas I think Abermorgold is a glass of wine at dinner where you don't really notice the effect it has until sort of a bit later on. You're like, that was, that was great. Mm. I really enjoyed that. What a lovely analogy there. That's what state school does. <laughs> so... The next one, track five, the last song of this side of the LP, if you will, is The King Has Lost His Crown. How does it feel? I guess it hurts to pride. Tell me, my friend, how many nights you cry in disaster and disgrace. The King Has Lost His Crown. So what a great time to talk about the fantastic artwork on this album. Actually, um, have you listened to the podcast long enough to know what that means? Of course I have. <laughs> and I have to say that I agree. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a nice one, actually. It's a 
looks like they're uh, superimposed on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. Oh my god, I didn't realise that before. Imagine. But the the inset photo of the four of them, it looks like they're they are off to a wedding reception. Hmm. And they're also holding somehow a like a well, it's almost like a long blue lightsaber. Benny's Benny's holding a long his blue, lightsaber. Yeah, one, actually. he's holding on for it for dear life, mm. spearing all three other members as he as he does it. Hmm. And um, Bjorn's almost dressed as a Jedi character. Actually, he does look a bit like Mark Hamill, doesn't he? he? Does, yeah. And the girls are. I mean, they're just glamorous ladies. In the late 70s, well, wearing think, evening dresses. I think Frida's dressed for a Gatsby party. Um, yeah, the long beads. She's got her pearl necklace on. <laughs> a beautiful pearl necklace. I'm sure it was a gift from one of the boys. <laughs> <laughs> for great record sales. <laughs> um, and Agneta uh, has sort of, it looks like she's won a wrestling grand slam with that belt. <laughs> she does, and she's, she's pushing it out as well, isn't she? So. Yes, I think I would agree with you both. It's it's there's a lot of gold on this album, for want of a better word. And this one, yeah, it doesn't quite reach it. This was the B side to "Gimme Gimme Gimme," which was the lead single from their Greatest Hits Volume Two. So it kind of feels a little bit like it was a stuck on here. So without further ado, let's flip the disc. Let's listen to side two, track one. Ashley, do you want to introduce it? Um, yeah, something uh, that I asked when I first got with you, Daniel. Does your mother know? <laughs> Roaring way to get to the midpoint of the album. It's a lovely sentence, Phil. It's very pleasing. Mm, and what a nice time for the boys to have a bash. Yes. <laughs> so Bjorn is on lead vocals there, and it's, it's a rarity, isn't it, for the the boys in the band? Well, it's mainly it's only Bjorn ever actually that takes lead vocal on rare occasions to have the mic. Yeah, and I think that it it can be hit and miss. I'm a big ABBA fan. Um, but I think when the boys grab the, the mic, sometimes it falls flat, whereas this one, I, f- I think, is, is probably the best example. That, yes. That, that certainly the, the casual fan would be able to pick out. Yeah, definitely. And I, th- I don't know about you, but I always remember this song from Johnny English, when Rowan Atkinson is lip-syncing it in the mirror on the DVD oh, yes. that they play at the, the French Chateau. Oh, I don't honestly don't remember that at all. And in the film it was... Christine Baranski that did this one? Um, yes. I think we yeah. all really remember the moment when it's brought to life in Mamma Mia when Joanna Lumley performed it. <laughs> in the parody. <laughs> I can't believe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She was all legs and as she always is when she's uh, yeah. going for the humour. fantastic performance. Yeah. Uh, it was a big hit, unsurprisingly, um, across Europe uh, in the top five in the UK as well. And I think it would be rude not to mention that amazing sort of beat that we'd call it at the, the start of the song. The dum 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 Yeah. You know, it's, it's iconic, really. It's, it's a really good sort of work into the song. Yeah. 
And that's you're bang on with the terminology because that's exactly how we describe things on this podcast. <laughs> but we've no idea what is actually involved in making the sound. <laughs> if anyone does know what instrument makes that noise, um, please let us know at Move to Trash UK. Oh, all the wording, yeah, everything. very polished. Yeah. yeah. So that was "Does Your Mother Know," which was the second single from the album. Uh, and the next one is an album track, but what an album track! This is. If it wasn't for the nights. mentioned it before when there are real gems tucked away on an album as an album track um, that reward the committed fan and album listener and that's definitely a good example of that 100% yes this one as well I've loved ABBA for a long long time but it is literally I think this year when I first heard this song and realised what an amazing album track this is yeah, it just it makes you want to pop on your flares and your platforms, head down to the local disco. And this was, this has been covered as well, even though it wasn't a single, or it was certainly thought of at the time as it, it could be for a single. Yes. Um, but Hazel Dean did do one of her dance covers of it back in the 90s. Um, and in fact, Hazel Dean did a whole other album, if anyone knows who Hazel Dean is. Uh, if you don't know who she is, just go to any Pride event in the UK this <laughs> summer and she will probably be there. Or um, Let's Rock Festival at uh, Essex or somewhere like that. She's probably done a few songs. I would absolutely love... So do you know the duo Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott from The Beautiful South? Who, since they got back together about five years ago, they've had three top five albums. They've had some real success. And I think they could do an absolutely fantastic cover of this. I've tried to tweet them both about it. They're not really paying much attention to me. They blocked you. Yes. And the police have been around as well. Um, I think they could do an amazing version of this song. I think you're banging there. <laughs> I really do. Um, what's um, quite interesting about this song is, is it's a very fun, disco-y song. But actually, this song is uh, is based on Bjorn's divorce. Mm. And the, the lyrics, when you look at them, you know they, they do shine a light on that where it's... You know, if it wasn't for the nights when you're alone and you're alone with your thoughts, that's when you think about kind of the dark times. Mm. So a very fun song with a bit of a a dark past to it. A, a juxtaposition, you could say, mm. of music to and their own. There she is. <laughs> but it's, this song is everything that is fantastic about 70s disco. You've got the harmonies from the girls there, which are bang on the money. There's a real groove to it. Uh, the strings are fantastic and play a real prominent part and then that chorus is just so catchy you just want to move to it and you both picked out on songs that it reminds you of when that was playing so I had uh, I'm in the mood for dancing by the Nolan sisters and I had Copacabana as a fanalo <laughs> <laughs> are you a fanalo? that remains to be seen mm. I was going to say as well this song I think is if if sort of Niall Rogers and Boney M spent a night together I feel like this song would, would, would appear nine months later. Wow. On to the next one. Track eight now. And this is uh, Chicken Teacup. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now we do love a good outro. Absolutely. Which that song definitely has. In fact, I had to drag you both off the table for that. On pub paring. There's no tomorrow. I think I've dislocated my shoulder. <laughs> That's what you get for coming on this podcast. Mm. Full, full participation is expected. And an injury. Possibly. But what a wonderful song. Really, really wonderful song. I've got a pop fact for you, or a question actually. Do you know this got to number two in the UK? Do you know what held this track off the number one spot? So it was January '79. It was released, if I'm not mistaken. Which names on the axle? It's I a definite. It's definitely a track by track worthy song to hold Avra off the top okay. spot. Have we covered the artist? Yes, yes, we have. We have covered the artist. Blondie. Yes. Heart of Glass. Yes. Oh. Yeah. What a what a top two that is that week with Blondie with a number one with that and and Avril at number two with this mm. Radio One that week wow. must have been fantastic. Mm. Who was presenting? Noel Edmonds maybe, Mr Blobby. <laughs> There's no way to refer to Tony Blackburn. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that this song was released in January because the video of course has got that massive creepy snowman. Um, and because it's set in snow, it's always now considered to be a Christmas song. So every year on the Christmas music channels, you will find Chickatita playing on the hour, every hour. And I'm so glad you mentioned the video because it is bizarre. Yeah. You know, it's 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 sort of like if, you know, My Chemical Romance and the Black Parade just put Santa Claus in there and it suddenly became a Christmas hit. Yes. Mm. Well, I had nightmares or anything <laughs> about it. <laughs> but it's, it was actually a, a very low budget um, video for that for that song and, and in fact I'm, I'm reading here that uh, there was a problem with a fan during the filming of that video and if you watch it closely Agneta's constantly trying to get the hair out of her face because there was a misplaced fan oh I thought you meant like a fan like a, someone who loves Amber <laughs> oh no <laughs> got too close to the band although you mentioned it was quite a low budget probably not as low a budget as the most recent Bananarama single <laughs> Sadly, that's not the first time we've mentioned that. No, video. but it does warrant a re-mention. <laughs> yes, they, they, they did that video on as much as you can take out of a cash point at one time. <laughs> not that much. <laughs> that was to get their lunch as well. Um, Chikatita was the first single released from the Voulez-Vous album. So this was the first hint of a tease of what the band were doing for studio album number six. And also this um, proceeds from this song went to UNICEF. So don't slag it off too much because you might take away from that charity. And with that in mind, it seems like you've got nothing else to say. So let's move on to track number nine, the penultimate track of the album proper. This is my favourite song on the album. And this is Lovers, open bracket, live a little longer, close bracket. say as a lifelong ABBA fan were I in Mr Will Warren's shoes I would be talking about the album artwork right now wow and that's quite a difference to your opinions Dan yeah it really is this for me there's something about the strings the uh the, it's got a real groove to this track I think it's it's not as 
in your face as Dancing Queen, but I think it's got a real disco edge to it. But also the harmonies on the chorus, there's a real like clash of sounds. And a few weeks ago, we talked mm. about the B-52s when the girls harmonize and it kind of almost clashes, but in a good way. That's what I hear in this song. I absolutely, I love this song. Uh, Will, I'd love to hear your opinion. Well, I have to agree with Ashley, actually. When that clash happened, I did wince, actually. Mm. I'm sorry to say. I'm sorry you said that. I think my word of choice would be shrill. shrill. I think they sound very shrill in that in in that chorus. I think it just it's too it's too much. You couldn't listen to it through a noise cancelling headphone. Is it a little oh, no, bit like tinnitus for a week? <laughs> Is it a bit like in the recent um, Mamma Mia Here We Go Yet Again uh, parody where uh, Alan Carr mentions that uh, Meryl Streep's Slash Jennifer Saunders has started too high on the song. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> Very much oh, so. You I think started too high, love. <laughs> I think were this sort of taken down a few keys, mm. you know, like a robbery at Timpsons. Um, <laughs> oh, good lord! Oh, did you have that written down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, were this taken down a few keys, I think that it would work much better. I think I would enjoy it a bit more. It would be a bit more of a melancholic song than a, a, a shouty song. This uh, is also a fantastic no, time to mention. No, to mention how much like Mel Streep Jennifer Saunders looks when she dresses up for the Mamma Mia parodies. Oh, it's incredible, and Cher as well. So when she did that recent one, it was just. Well, I, the I've present. long held the theory that basically Jennifer Saunders can look like anybody with enough. She's just got a very good. I don't know whether she just has a really good base and really good makeup artist, but she can be very much. Whoever. It's the lyrics as well that I particularly like about this song. Uh, Lovers live a little longer, baby. You and me, we got a chance to live twice. It is um, basically saying that people in love, uh, their lives last longer. That's oh, a lovely theory. That's a lovely sentiment. Mm. Oh. We're on to the final track of the album, and this is Kisses of Fire. song about cold sores there kisses of fire <laughs> is that true uh, let's ask Bjorn um, I think that song is is wonderful I think it's 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 a roller coaster of a song where it has that very soft build as you go up to the peak mm. and then just drops with that huge sound at the end of that sort of that opening yeah it's a lovely way to end the album because I think actually you think oh this is going to be quite a slow s- somber end and then bang. bang bang and I particularly like how the there's that slow start and then there's the chorus and then it feels like the synths really come in and there's that real kind of um, I think I've used the word groove on this album there's a real kind of groove that just puts itself down for the rest of the track groovy baby <laughs> please tell me that wasn't an Austin Powers impression <laughs> About as good as Will share. <laughs> Will, do you want to... No. <laughs> so, in a uh, little pop fact, this was the B-side to Does Your Mother Know? Um, and this was also, uh, randomly, in Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Yes, because it's not really some of the main cast. It's the Greek 
musician who is in who plays in his mum's in the cafe restaurant, restaurant cafe, place bistro, yeah. if you will. Uh, yes, but on the on the so the version that's used in the film is this a very small snippet. But if you listen to the soundtrack, it's got the full kind of disco version of it. So, question for you both: Would you be would you welcome a Mamma Mia three? Would you enjoy that? Is there enough light? Are there enough songs left? Oh goodness, yes. Are there enough good good songs left? Oh yes, absolutely. I think I've I've you know romanticised in my head at night. Um, a bad place to pause there <laughs> about what the plot would be and I think there's, there's a big gap where I think everyone fell in love with Ruby in, in Here We Go Again the Cher character and I would love to know her, her backstory and a sort of prequel prequel about sort of her getting into the music industry going to Vegas and did, I think did, did we fall in love with her though because it was Cher would it not be quite the same if there was a younger actress playing that I think it depends who the actress was. You know, if we had a uh, Lady Gaga who's now, you know, trying a hand at acting. You have thought about this. <laughs> oh, I, I know. I know the. I know the track listing. I know the director. Ashley's wrote version one of the script. I haven't had a response yet from Universal, but um, I'm, I'm hopeful. Maybe BBC Films will pick it up. <laughs> it can be a straight to Netflix. I beg your pardon. I would. Um, I would welcome it. I think. Well, if it was done right, I think Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again was done right. It was so cheesy. It was definitely, I think, a lot of it was aimed at an older audience of ABBA fans from back in the day. But personally, I absolutely loved it. And yeah, I'd love to see version three. And maybe actually, if it was a prequel and if it was Lady Gaga playing the role of Ruby, it could actually appeal, no, it could open the appeal of ABBA to a whole new audience yet again. I have to say, I don't know if you two experienced similar things, but when I saw Here We Go Again, it's only the second film in the UK that I've seen applauded in the cinema. Yeah, that was, that was weird. No one applauded when we went to see it. Maybe they were applauding us. Mm. Who was we? Did you, did you go with Cook? <laughs> <laughs> That's the last track on the album. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> but it's not the end of the episode. Because we've got three doses of further listening to dish out. And Ashley, as the special guest on today's podcast, we'd love it if you went last. (laughs) (laughs) So, Will, what ABBA song... Oh, oh, let me lay out the rules. What are the parameters? Yes. So, we're going to... Obviously, with further listening, we try and keep away from the singles. So, we're talking about ABBA album tracks, but also let's try and keep it to the 70s because... There is a certain 80s ABBA album that I really do want to come back to. Uh, so, Will, what's your further listening choice? So, I ventured back to 1976 and uh, Arrival. Wonderful album. And I've selected a perky little number that I think will get everybody dancing. When I Kissed a Teacher. The Teacher. <laughs> <laughs> So I selected that one because I think, first of all, it's a brilliant, high-energy start to the album. But also, I just love... It's just so much fun, isn't it? 
It's a lot of fun. And, and I it, think that's why they chose it for Mum mm. uh, Me, Here We Go Again. And it does remind me of a time when oh. I really enjoy listening to ABBA more frequently. <laughs> and what do, you, what do you guys think? There are a lot of ABBA tracks that you can describe as fun, but I think this one must be in the top five of those fun songs that just nail it. Yeah. And I do think about, not to bang on about it, but in the film, this is one of the first songs, wasn't it, in Here We Go Again, Yeah, with Celia Imri oh, as the teacher <laughs> um, in the graduation scene. And I think that was a really great energy to set the tone for that film and also to introduce the younger versions of the three female characters. And our glimpse of Bjorn in, in that scene as well, oh, when yeah. Lily James is giving him a bit of a... Which is sort of a shimmy, should mm. we say? I love um, how game he is and how like totally behind those films yeah, he was. Because he's absolutely bloody raking it in front of him. But yes, it's, Celia Emery is great in that. Clearly not playing a music teacher because... Um, what are you saying, Daniel? Um, uh, mm, I think I'll draw a veil. She's a fantastic that. comedy actress. She is, yeah. She's been in some... Great stuff. Um, Calendar Girls, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, and everything with Victoria Wood. Um, another sort of little snippet from that scene in the film. I hate to dwell. On, <laughs> I love to dwell on the films. Um, when at the end of that song, Lily James is stood on the canal boat. Did anyone? Did anyone remember what the name of that canal boat was? Oh, Written across the side. What was it? Chiquitita. Oh, was it? Oh. oh, that's lovely. So Dan, you're next. Okay, so. I there's a lot of there's a lot of fantastic ABBA album songs and there's a lot of songs that would have been great to choose that were singles but lesser known singles but nope the rules are the rules so the one that I would love to play is a song called Tiger the city is a That's a real bite-sized ABBA song. It comes in at less than three minutes. But I really love the kind of drama of it and the fact that it feels like, you know, they genuinely, the girls are genuinely taking on this persona of this, you know, fierce tiger. Um, but I'd love to know what you two think of this song. Well, I can see that. They're almost screeching like cats at the end there. No, that's bang out of order. <laughs> <laughs> You've said that for two of my favourite songs Ooh. now. Kitty got claws. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, I love the energy in that song. Mm. And it's short but sweet is definitely how you describe it, isn't it? Yeah. It's a song that can catch you out on the lyrics. I've been singing Eye of the Tiger for many years <laughs> uh, until I was once corrected by, by you, Daniel, quite, quite rudely and violently, I must say. Well, violently... But uh, I had the Tiger, of course, by Survivor. Lovely song, but not this one. I really like the drum beat in this one. As they're doing the, um, singing the verses, particularly the real throughout it. Yeah, and I have to say, coupled with that, um, not, not just to list the instruments on the track, but I really love the guitar, because it's quite subtle in, in the way it's incorporated, but it works really well with the mm. sort of... Da -na -na -na. Yeah. It's, um, it's done really, really well, actually, and quite, I think ahead of its time which is a very sort of broad statement there but 
make of that what you will. <laughs> Indeed. And on a final note, Ashley, special guest this week, what's your selection? So there's, I have felt so much pressure with this. I've put so much thought into it. I'm behind at work. I may get fired because of the amount of effort. But it's all going to be worth but it if you have a great further it. listening choice. And Cook is looking for an assistant, so, you know, there might be something here for you. Well, Kitchen we've, porter. We've, we've had a chat and she's helping with my flan. <laughs> she's got more of a runny quiche. <laughs> um, but no, I have gone all the way back to 1973. Wow. When I, not to make anyone feel too old, I was minus 20 years old. We were all minus something, that's the fact. Um, and the Ring Ring album. And I've gone for the final track of the album, and we're going to get our leather jackets on, get on our motorbikes, because it's Rock and Roll Band. To know, what do you think? Gosh, that's quite a heavy guitar one for a track by track. <laughs> but, um, You've really not been listening to the podcast, have you? <laughs> but I love the fact you went all the way back to Ring a Ding Dong. Uh, what, was what was the album called? Ring Ring. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just to kind of round off the era of ABBA that we've been talking about, it kind of takes it back to the start of that period. And it does leave us clear then to talk about 80s uh, further forward. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the reason that I went for something a bit earlier as well is as the band developed and, and matured, really the, the um, Agneta and Frieda took over the vocals, whereas Ring Ring is very much led by the male vocals. Yeah. And I think that song, finishing off with that very heavy guitar, it's, it's, it's almost very not ABBA. Um, it's very rockabilly, kind of that sort of very much 70s rock feel, which I really like about it. I think they, after Ring Ring, they kind of left that behind. Not for better or for worse, but it definitely took a backseat from there, which is why I think I chose it. It's very different to the, well, the real disco sound of the album that we've been listening to and talking about earlier. It's nice as a, as a juxtaposition. Have we said that already? Yeah, we yeah, have. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Get your bingo dabbers out. That's <laughs> nice yeah, it's um, what's interesting about this album as well is, of course, this album precedes even Waterloo and Eurovision. So it's way before even ABBA really had chart success around the world, I should say, because individually they were already quite successful in Sweden, weren't they? Yes, and I'm sure our more devoted listeners will know that Ring Ring was actually the first song that ABBA put forward for the Eurovision and was, was declined um, before Waterloo. But it all worked all right in the end. My, my. <laughs> Waterloo. And what a song that was in the <clears throat> movie. In the second film. Yes. Yeah. And we've mentioned Bjorn. That song obviously features Benny in, in Here We Go Again, playing the piano in that lovely little Parisian bistro. Yes. So we're out of time. Oh, oh no. Ashley, how has it been for you uh, taking part today? It's been wonderful. Um, it's, been, it's been 
very, very lovely. I don't know if the restraints were necessary. Well, um, previous guests have gotten quite animated, <laughs> uh, which we're mainly referring to, obviously, Robert. Robert. But no, it's been lovely to be here. I hope I haven't been too much of a burden. Not at all. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. We always welcome someone else um, in the mix to break the awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what's next week? Who's coming out next week? So next week we're staying in Scandinavia um, with a Swedish female singer-songwriter who has had some incredible hits uh dance pop over the last decade or two and I can't wait for us to talk about her in more detail mm. real favourite of mine to say anything more would be to give it away so please let us know what you thought of this week's podcast and what you think of ABBA and Mamma Mia at move to trash UK hashtag track by track and until next time uh, I've been Benny Anderson I've been Bjorn Alves and I've been Fernando <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>